0: Thank you for listening to the Pursuit Church podcast. This is more than a podcast. Pursuit Church is a movement to connect to Jesus and make a difference. If you need prayer or would like to financially support our mission, reach out to us online at PursuitChurchSA.com. Now grab your headphones and get ready to dive into this week's message. We've been talking about um, this sermon series and how to develop an attitude of generosity. So today, I'm going to share with you how being part of a church community helps us. It helps us in developing an attitude of generosity. But before I get started, let me just pray for us. Heavenly Holy Father, we love you so much. We thank you that you are here in our midst we just bless your holy name, Lord. I just, I just thank you. I thank you for coming here. Your word says that you inhabit the praise of your people, Lord, and we know you're here with us, Father. And God, I ask right now that you just speak through me. I submit my mind, my will, my emotions to you, Lord, my vocal cords, and the very breath of my lungs. Heavenly Holy Father, have your way. Make my tongue not be twisted, Father. Help me have the right words. And God, let every single word out of my mouth be encouraging and life-changing for all of us. And I thank you for this in the name, above all names, in the name of Jesus Christ, our healer, our provider, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? No? Maybe? I had a good Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. You know... Thanksgiving is a really cool holiday. It's special for me and for Pastor Bob because it's a time when we get together with our kids and our grandkids and, you know, both of our parents have, you know, they've gone on to be with Jesus. And it's basically he and I are the head of the clan, if you will, (laughs) and um, the head of our tribe. And so Thanksgiving is a really good time for us because it seems like this particular holiday, we get to spend a little bit extra time with the kids. That means a lot to us. You know, our kids are grown. They're out on their own. They have their own families. And so we cherish those times that we can come together and enjoy a meal, share a meal with them, right? Even if it's just pizza by the pool, we're real intentional about guarding time to share a meal with our family. It's special to us. And you know, I think a lot of you have been to our house before we invite y'all to eat. First of all, we like to eat. Can you tell? And second of all, I believe there's godly. It's holy. Sharing a meal with someone is, is God ordained y'all. And I'm gonna tell you why in a minute. But here's the deal. There's no better way, in my opinion, to get to know somebody than to sit down with them, share a meal with them, let them learn a little bit more about you, and then learn a little bit more about them and put God in the middle of it all. That's why I love getting together and sharing meals with people. And you know what? I think Jesus blessed that. I think he anointed that. And you want to know why? Because Jesus enjoyed sharing meals with others, too. That's what the Bible tells us. There are multiple places where he would stop what he was doing and just go eat with some people. That's what he did. And you know what? He was a busy man. Jesus was busy. Think about it. He was out putting sight back in the blind, healing people from sicknesses, casting out demons. He was about his father's business. Jesus was busy. He was very busy. But again, he would drop everything to share a meal with people. And when he did, it wasn't just food and small talk, y'all. To me, that's kind of like a waste of time. It wasn't just food and small talk. No. Every time Jesus did that, there was intentionality behind it. God is intentional, y'all. Y'all know that, right? He's intentional. And what he was doing is Jesus was showing us by example how to do life together. Everything he did was an example for us so we would know. A lot of us are visual. Like, I can read a book, and I'm like, "Mm." but if you show me something, chances are I'm going to retain it. Right? Anybody else in here like that? You learn by seeing things done. That's what Jesus did. He showed us. He showed us how to share life together. And in fact, truth be told, his very first miracle was at a party, y'all. In Cana. It was. It was at a wedding feast in Cana. And that was intentional. Nothing God does is an accident. Not one thing. Jesus knew they were going to run out of wine. Because that's what happened at the party. It was a wedding. Can you imagine running out of food and beverages at a wedding? That's what happened. They ran out of wine. And so Jesus was about to blow it up. He was about to step out into his ministry and he was about to do a miracle. But there's something you need to know about that wine miracle thing. Not everybody at the party was part of it. Not everybody was part of it. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The only ones who knew what was going on, who knew about that miracle, they were the servants who had brought the water jars in. And Jesus's inner circle. Bet you didn't think about that. It's true. Not everybody knew. Jesus's community knew. There are miracles in community, y'all. Miracles in community. And Jesus values community. In fact, on the night he was betrayed, the night before he was going to the cross to die for us, on the night he was betrayed, what did he do? He gathered together with his 12 disciples and they ate. They shared a meal. They shared a meal together. And at that last supper, Jesus was still teaching them by example. He was teaching them the power and the value of communion, serving one another, and worship. Worship. You don't think about that a lot in the last supper story. But Mark 14, 26 says that after they finished eating... They sang psalms together. That's corporate worship, y'all. That's what we just did. Corporate worship. And it happened at the Last Supper. Jesus values community, getting together, talking about life, learning about God, praying with each other, and worshiping together. Worship is a participatory thing, y'all. We have amazing talent on this stage. But you know what? That's their offering to God. What about yours? Bring your offering of praise to the Lord. Prayer is praise. Singing is praise. Jumping around is praise. I got a messed up knee, y'all. I'll be doing this. Praise the Lord. Come together with us and let's do it together. There's power in that. There's power in corporate worship. So today, I want to talk about how we can develop an attitude of generosity through community. Turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I hope y'all brought those paper Bibles. I'm about to gift everybody a paper Bible for Christmas. The book of Acts is in the, next, the New Testament. It's right past the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2. And as we said before, the book of Acts is basically a blueprint for the new church or the early church. And this is the church that Jesus sent his disciples out to plant and then to build. So when we read these verses, when you see the word, they, or you hear the word, they it's talking about believers in the early church, followers of Jesus. So we're going to start reading together in verse 42, Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Hold on y'all. That sounds like Sunday social to me, right? Gathering together. Okay, let's keep reading. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts every day, every day, not just Sunday, not just every day. They continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, not just their circle, all people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. I want y'all to notice something. And this is big. It says the believers were intentional about their church community. The Bible says they were devoted, devoted, devoted to gathering together to learn about God. They were devoted to sharing meals together, to praying together. In other words, they were committed to discipleship together. This is church, y'all. That's what we do here on any given Sunday. That's what we do here. This is church. And these early believers, they didn't just do it every once in a while. Maybe when they had time to squeeze it in, maybe when they weren't, you know, too busy. No, 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 no. They were devoted, devoted to these gatherings. They made time for it. They planned for it. They saw the value in corporate worship and in being discipled. Discipled is where we get that word discipline from. Discipline, discipled, learning, even when it's uncomfortable, they weren't worried about being offended by the word of God. They weren't worried about being offended when someone brought correction because discipled means there's going to be some times when correction is going to happen. No, they didn't have time to be offended about that. They wanted to grow in their relationship with God. They valued it. Do we value it, y'all? Do we value it? Do we put value on being able to still gather together in a country where we're still free, y'all? This is a country where we're still free. Praise God for that. Do we value that? Do we see the value in being able to come together and learn about him? How he can change your life. How he can make a blind man see. How he can do what he does. They valued it. They were devoted to it. They wanted it. The more they gathered, guess what happened, y'all? Guess what happened? They saw signs and wonders and miracles. Y'all, we're experiencing that right here. Have you been part of it? Have you been part? I see miracles in this room right now. Jojo said it well earlier. We just came out of a, a, a time, a season of discipling. We were disciplined. Me, Pastor Bob, everybody that was part of that. We were discipled. We were disciplined. And we came out free. We left some grave clothes behind us, y'all. That's big. That's huge. That's why we're doing this. In this church, lives have been changed. Chains have been broken. Alcoholics don't drink anymore. Addicts are free. Homeless people have homes now. I can give you names. I got the receipts. Demons have been cast out of people in this room. Y'all don't want to miss out on that. That's what happened to the early church. That's what's happening here. And when you see those kind of things happen, what does it do? It encourages you. It helps your faith grow. These early believers gathered daily, and that was what was going on. And you know what? They were busy just like we are. They had houses. They had jobs. They had stuff to do. Yet they still made it a priority to gather together every single day. I I love Jesus. I ain't got time for every single day. I understand we live in a different world, but they did it. They were intentional about it. And you know what? It wasn't the same person hosting, cooking, cleaning up every single day. No, no, no. They served each other. That's what the scripture says. They served each other and they shared what they had with one another. They gave generously, not holding back. They brought their best and they did it freely because They had developed an attitude of generosity. And you know what happened? They were united. Unity. You hear that word a lot in church. Unity is huge. Psalm 133 says unity makes life good and pleasant. And there's an anointing and protection in unity. That's what the scripture says. The Bible says that unity is like the oil that was poured over Aaron's beard. That oil symbolized a holy covering and God's protection. And you know what else? God commands. He commands a blessing in unity. These believers, they gathered together regularly to love and to serve each other. They weren't expecting anything in return. They were just giving. They gathered to worship God, to submit themselves, to be discipled, to the disciples' teaching, and to share life together. And as they did that, God blessed them hugely. And others in their town started to notice some different things about them. They noticed the blessing on their lives, and they wanted that too. When you submit your life to God and you get involved in your church community, you start to change. It's just what happens. You start to change. You don't want to do the things you used to do. You don't see the world the way you used to see it. And people are going to notice that people in your life will notice that they'll see how God changed your life. And they're going to want in on that. They're going to want in on some of that good and pleasant that's running all over you. And that's your chance to invite them to church. Give them an opportunity to get connected to Jesus. The visible changes in your life. When people see that you're living out a changed life, that's an open door for you to evangelize to them for evangelism, which basically is just connecting others to Jesus. It's that simple. Living out your life for God gives you a chance to get other people's connected to Jesus. Evangelism is a church word. Pastor Bob told me don't use that word. Evangelism is a church word. You know what the, all it means is connecting people to Jesus. And here's the deal. Not everybody's a street preacher. You know, actually I get a little, I don't know if I need to, God needs to work on my heart about this. But if I'm walking downtown and somebody's in a megaphone screaming to me about Jesus, I'm like, dude, you need to tone that down. Tone it down. Not everybody's called to do that. Not everybody is called to the mission field in a foreign country. You know, our family got together one year and we went and did a mission trip. I was like almost two weeks in Haiti. Y'all ain't been on a mission trip till you've been on a mission trip in Haiti. I'm just going to tell you right now. But not everybody's called to that. I'm not called to the mission field. That mission trip told me I'm not called to the mission field. Okay. It was hot. It was worse than Houston heat. Humid. Big old bugs. I don't even know what they were. Everywhere. And you know what? They had no running water. That's part of the reason we were there. Point is, I'm not called to the foreign mission field. Not everybody is. And those are actually forms of evangelism. But here's the deal. We are called to spread the word of Jesus. And we are called to community together as believers and to invite others to join us. This is what the believers in the early church did. And lives were changed. The vision of Pursuit Church is to connect to Jesus and make a difference. And we get to fulfill that vision together as a community, a community of believers on fire for Jesus, committed to growing in the word, showing each other love, mercy, and grace. We get to do that. And then what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to take it out of these walls, out into the community and share it with others and then invite them to come in and join us. You know, the church is God's idea. It's God's idea to help humanity find hope, and life in Jesus Christ. It's so much more than just a group of people gathering. So much more than that. That You could do that anywhere. You can go to the club and do that. Church is more than just people gathering together. This isn't just a place you come to hear a feel-good message. It's not just a place for that. Tickle your ears with what you want to hear. This isn't a place for just that. This isn't a place where you just get to come and see your friends, maybe go to lunch after church, and then you do it all over again next time. Yes, we do that here. Absolutely. But that's not our main purpose. Church is meant to be a place where you experience life change. And that happens in the context of of community as you serve alongside other believers. Just like. The early church in the book of Acts, you share the gifts God has given you with others and you allow yourself to be accountable one to another. And as you grow, you start to see church different. You do. You start to see church as more than a place where you go to get your needs met. Because before you know it, you'll learn that you want to be part of someone else's salvation story. You'll see that what you're doing here makes you a part of someone else's salvation story. Come on, y'all. That's a fact. There are people sitting in these pews that have been washed in the blood of Jesus, saved, lifted up out of the miry pit, and their feet have been set on the rock of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, for what? So that others will see that he is God and we will give him praise. You get to be part of someone's salvation story when you engage in this community. And before you know it, you will move from Acts of generosity to an attitude of generosity. That's God's plan because you will understand the assignment. You will understand the assignment that the church us, we are meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus to bring hope and life to a dark world. Friends. We all need somebody to come alongside us. Someone we can really trust Someone who truly loves us because life gets hard. There ain't no cakewalk y'all. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful life is a beautiful mosaic of the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it's a mosaic. And every piece of a mosaic makes this beautiful thing, stained glass, a tapestry. It's a mosaic. Life is hard. And there are things that are going to come against you at any given time. They come against all of us. Remember, you got to remember, we have an enemy. We have an enemy, the devil, Satan. He's our enemy. He's our enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and take you out, destroy your life. And he fights us in the spiritual realm. Then he wreaks havoc in the natural world we live in. And here's the thing. You need your church community because your friends, your unsaved friends, your friends who don't know Jesus, they can't help you. They can't fight. They can't engage in spiritual warfare. They can't do it. doesn't it make them bad. They just don't know. That's why you got to invite them to church. They don't know how to help you. You need to be part of a community that's focused on Jesus and not just the things of this world. I got groups of friends and all they do grown 61 year old friends out there in the club. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying they can't fight. They can't charge the gates of hell for me. I love them. And I'm telling you right now, I have a friend right now. She's been my best friend forever. And you know, she, she, she don't really know Jesus. I've talked to her. She's seen the change in my life, but you know, she's just not there yet. She can't charge the gates of hell on my behalf. Not granted. She'd give me the shirt off her back if I needed it, but she can't engage in spiritual warfare for me. She can't help me. She doesn't know how. So we can't expect our friends that don't know Jesus to help us with life's issues. They may have experienced some stuff, but they can't charge hell on your behalf. They can't do it. I need to say this y'all. Our friends that are unbelievers or our friends that aren't connected just kind of play in, play in Christian. I don't even know what that looks like, but our friends that are like that, that are doing that, that are unbelievers, they're not going to be able to come alongside you and make a lasting impact for the kingdom of God. That's a fact. That's a fact. The believers in the book of Acts, they were world changers, y'all. We're sitting here because they were world changers. They planted the church, the church of Jesus Christ that we're sitting here in right now. We're part of their legacy. Hello? God is generational. Proof right there. This is generational. They made an impact on the world and it's because they were unified around the cause of Jesus Christ. They were generous with every single thing they had because they were on a mission. They understood the assignment and their mission was to help others know about Jesus. And you know what? Lives were changed and lives were saved. Oh, I need need to get an amen on that, y'all. That's huge. That's so huge. Hmm. Acts 4.32 tells us that. You know, there are hurting people that come in these doors every week. And when you show up and you help us get this place ready for service, ready to welcome them in. I love my friend, Julie here. Yeah, I don't know. Julie, Julie's amazing. Julie is a prayer warrior. I have known that woman for a long time. Julie, how long have we known each other? Like forever, right? Almost 10 years. I don't know. I lost count, but Julie's a prayer warrior. She will charge the gates of hell on your behalf. But you know what she's doing every Sunday morning for the most part? She's showing up and making coffee. This woman praying in tongues. Yeah, it's a good coffee. It's anointed coffee. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Julie. Give it up for the coffee. <laughs> but you know what? Julie lost her husband a year ago. She's showing up making coffee for y'all. She values community we got to value community. There are hurting people coming in the doors. And so when you show up, you make some coffee, you sweep, you replace the toilet paper, you, put some, you help us get this building ready for the hurting people who need Jesus to come in here and feel comfortable and feel welcomed. Or maybe you're, you're we have people and kids right now taking care of some children, y'all. Some children. Oh, I'm not anointed for that anymore. Hmm not anointed for the children ministry anymore, y'all. I did my time. I'm just saying. We got people over there right now. Bless them in Jesus' name. They are teaching children, some of y'all's children. You know how your kids are. They're teaching children about Jesus, that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is love. Jesus is mercy. Jesus is life. We got people sacrificing sleep to go in there and to take care of babies so that when people come in here, they can sit down and they can relax and they can be filled with the word of God. You know what? Maybe sometimes you don't feel too good. Maybe you need some rest and you show up anyway. There's going to be somebody here. They're going to notice that you may look a little off or maybe, maybe they're really busy and they don't notice that go to them, go to them and tell them, man, I need some prayer right now. I didn't want to come here this morning. Be honest. That's what community is. We are honest with each other. We are honest with each other. Tell them, I don't feel like being here. I got an attitude. Can you pray for me to get my mind right? And we will, and we'll speak God's word over you. And you know what? That's community. That's what we do. That's what your church community does for you. And we do it for each other. God placed you here to help meet your needs. All of us have needs. Thank you, Jesus, for this church. This church is here to help meet your needs. That's God's plan to give hope and life to this world that includes everybody in this building right now. And when you show up here to help meet the needs of others, God's going to take care of your needs. When we meet the needs of others, God makes sure our needs are met. Proverbs 11:25 says, "A generous person will prosper." You think you give it away, you're not going to have any. No, no, no. A generous person giving it away, you will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When you think you don't got it, give it anyway. God will take care of you. He'll take care of you. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to be part of a community where everybody is others focused. Let me say that again. Cause I want you to get the grasp, the reality of that, or the beauty in that. When you come into a place and everybody in that place is focused on meeting someone else's needs. Do you see how you, as part of those, someone else's are going to get your needs met. Cause we're making sure we all have our needs met. We're undergirding each other. We're lifting each other up. We're helping each other. We're coming alongside each other. You have to understand guys, when you're part of a community of believers and you participate, Your presence matters. Presence matters. And you want to know why? Because there is power in your presence. If I tell you, I'm going to pray for you for that. There's power in that, right? If I say, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lift you straight to the throne room. But it's different when you and I are face to face, locking hands, side by side, charging the gates of hell together, lifting up each other and seeking the hand of God. It's different when we're doing this together. It's different because you hear my words. You experience the scriptures. I'm speaking over you. I'm praying over you. We all do that here. We pray the word in this place. You're going to experience that. And it's going to encourage your heart. Being together makes it different. And the other thing is, it brings God right into our presence. The Bible says, where two or more are gathered together, gathered together, that God is there. There is power in presence. And you know what? This is a sad statistic. As I was researching for the message, I learned that almost. I don't even know what the, what the amount is, but most American Christians spend more time on social media in one day than they do with their church community in an entire month. What? If you want to experience real life, y'all a real life transformed by the love and the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ. If you want to develop an attitude of generosity, it's going to take devotion to God, to the things of God, and to being part of his community. This is his community. This is his church. If you want life transformation, you got to get in on it. You got to get in on it. It's not the only way, but it's part of it. And I know this because I have lived this. I told y'all before, I'm gonna say it again. I don't stand up here and just talk to you. I tell you things that I know. What kind of preacher would I be? If I just, Oh, you know, no, 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 no. I'm speaking to you from life. Okay. I lived this. There was a time, there was a time in my life where I went to church every Sunday, every Sunday. We didn't miss. There were holy days of obligation. So we were obligated to go. So we went, we said all these prayers, We took communion each week. And you know what? My life was a hot mess. I was religious. There's a difference between religion and relationship. Religion did not change my life. Not one bit. I was checking off boxes. I was following the rules of my religion. Just going through the motions. I didn't know about tithing. Nobody taught me about discipleship, what that meant. Somebody got up there and read the word of God to me. I didn't open my Bible and read it alongside with some, what you did. I didn't know about that. I didn't understand the value of engaging in church community. And my life showed that I had friends. Of course I had friends, but I didn't have a community of real believers to share my life with. So, you know what? I looked to the world for solutions to my problems. And none of that worked. I ended up divorced. And when you get a divorce. And you trying to go to this one church. That disqualifies you from serving that disqualifies you from taking communion. What? Jesus didn't say that. That's not what the word says. <laughs> I'm not gonna go down that road. I ended up divorced. I knew nothing about God, and I knew in my heart that I needed a life transformation. And so in his mercy, God is always pursuing you. God is always pursuing you. God knows where you are. He knows what you're up to. He knows what you need. He is always pursuing you. The word says that he relentlessly pursues you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. He's all you need, and he knows that. He's trying to get you to know that. So in his mercy, God led me to a church community. Man, y'all, it was different. Okay. They were raising their hands and they weren't shaking their bobby pins loose, but they were doing wild stuff that we didn't do in that other church. We were up, down, up, down, working my glutes. But I'm going to tell you one thing. This church was different. They were unashamedly praising the Lord. Everybody, not just a group of people over in the corner. No, no, everybody was singing songs and hymns of praise to God. The church was different. And when I got involved in that church community, I learned more about God and less about religion. Being part of a church community became a priority for me. I needed that. I needed that. I needed that like I needed water. I needed it. I needed to be part of that church community. And the more that I gathered with fellow believers in church every Sunday, the stronger my relationship with God grew. That's what happens, y'all. We come here to get strengthened. We strengthen each other. We're in we are part of that one another. We see one another as our mission. We help one another. My heart was transformed and my life was too. But you know what? It took devotion to God because I'm going to tell you something. Transformation is a process. Didn't happen overnight. (laughs) I was born again, washed in the blood, baptized, and still every once in a while, go to the club with my friends. Transformation takes time. It's a journey. It's a process. It's a lifelong journey. We just went through this freedom curriculum, the freedom conference, and I got free from stuff I didn't even know was still there. Transformation is a lifelong journey, but it has to start somewhere if we're ever really ever going to have the abundant life that Jesus died for us to have. And it starts with making the things of God a priority. Look, I know we're all busy. I know we're all busy, but let me tell you something with all due respect. I want to share with you that when I came back to Jesus, I was busy. I was a single mom of three girls. I don't know if y'all know what that's like, but I was a single mom of three girls. I was busy. I worked full time. I was going to college also, (laughs) My girls were in everything. I have one child who just felt like I need to do this this time next week. I'm going to do this. And we were devoted to it. But man, we were busy ballpark. What else was she Band, choir? Lord have mercy. I was busy, but you know what? I made time and I made my girls make time to make God and church a priority. I made it that way. If you're the parent, it's your authority to tell them kids what y'all are going to do. You have authority over your children. God set it up like that. We don't, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't, t- I got one particular child, y'all. She used to, oh my goodness. I felt like she would foam at the mouth when we would go to church. She would do everything. Pastor Bob can tell you, he testified to this. Cause after, when I met him, we got married. I was a single mom, but after we got married, I was still <laughs> making them go to church. She would literally dig her heels in God bless her heart. And just, I'm not going. I would tell you, you know what? You better get in that car. You better fix your face. You better fix your shirt. You better get in that car. I don't even care if you smell. Put some perfume on. Get in the car and don't make me late for church. That's what we did. Oh, man. Y'all think y'all have fighting and scrambling with your kids on the way to church? Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I know what that's like. But you still got to make church a priority. Let them roll up in there looking crazy. Jesus can deal with that. You make sure you go get yours. Go, go be with your community. Go be with your church community because you need to be there because somebody needs to be blessed by you fighting back the forces of darkness that were trying to keep you out. They need to know you did it. They can do it too. That's what this is about, y'all. It's hard, but you just got to reprioritize, reprioritize some stuff, shuffle stuff around. You do that all the time. You shut right route here to PayPal. You got to move stuff around. Just reprioritize. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's not easy. At first I was doing good just to get us all to church on time and with clothes on. That's a fact. But as time passed, I started serving and then I got involved in discipleship groups. <laughs> oh, the girls love me in those days. <laughs> Y'all. Oh, you just don't know, man. I, I got involved in these discipleship groups. Well, guess what? We go to church on Sunday morning And then we come home, have some lunch, and then we go right back to church. They were like, I got homework. I said, take it with you. I got to go learn about Jesus, and you're going to go too. Come on. Let's go. I think they actually liked it when they were at their dad's for the weekend because he didn't make them do all that. But when they came back home, I laid down mama law. We're going to church. Get it together. Fix your face. I got to go know about Jesus. And I did that and I was intentional about that and I learned to grow spiritually and there was loving accountability among the other believers in the church that eventually led me to leading small groups for single parents. And I'm not telling you this to say, oh, yay me. No, no, no. I'm telling you that I know how it is to be busy, but I had to make God a priority because I was so hungry for change in my life. I needed a life transformation and God had told me that he quickened my spirit. And little by little, my life began to change for the better, and it did for my girls, too. Because you know what? God helped me beat addiction. I learned how to be a better mom, a better employee, a better person. And I learned to love people from God's perspective. And let me tell you something. You don't got to feel that love. You just got to do it. You got to do it. You got to look your teenager in the eye when they're foaming at the mouth and say, I love you. I bless you in Jesus name, but this is how we're going to do things. You just got to do it. So please, let me just encourage you. Don't let anything be more important than church. Satan's going to tempt you to do that. I promise you that when the weather's rainy and cold and nasty outside, you got to resist the temptation to skip church. To stay home and sleep in. Come worship with us, y'all. When the weather's nice, resist the temptation to run errands or do yard work. Don't let that keep you from gathering with your church family. You'll be surprised how much of a difference it will make in your life. Maybe you stayed out too late the night before and you're tired. You want to sleep in. You got work the next day. You just want to sleep in. Maybe you were out, I don't know what you were doing. Maybe you were out doing some stuff and you're tired. Resist the temptation to blow it off, to feel guilty, condemned. All of that is the devil tempting you to stay away from your church community. Please see that. See that, y'all. That's the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life by keeping you away from the very community that wants to love you, that wants to include you, that wants to be there for you. You come in here tired, hungover, I don't care what, what, don't matter, don't matter. And God will give you refreshment. He'll refresh your soul. He'll refresh you. You will feel better. When you're in the presence of God with other believers worshiping Him, it matters. And when you're not, people miss you. I miss you. I text people all the time. Some of y'all in here know this. I text you. If you're not here, I miss you. It's like, hey man, are so and so? Where are you at? I missed you. We missed you. I want you to know that we miss you. When you don't come, you're missed because you're part of our church family. This is family. Y'all, this ain't no cult. This is family. We're here for each other. This is a family that you can trust because you know what? As long as we're all looking to him, to Jesus for the answers, we're going to change. And you can trust that change. Being part of your church family is a commitment. And I know that mm, sometimes we have issues with commitment. I understand that. It's hard to commit to stuff because you don't want to let anybody down. Or you don't want to feel bad if you do. But look, coming to church is a commitment. And I want to tell you that you will never, ever regret putting God first in your life. Rearrange some things prioritize God and his church. This is his church. Prioritize his church over all this extra stuff you've got going on and your life will be changed for the better. If we want something better, we got to choose better. We got to choose it. And I will tell you right now, I'm gonna tell you right now, there is nothing, there's nothing I'd rather do on a Sunday than gather here with y'all. I love that. I get to do that. I love that I get to serve y'all. I spend a lot of time preparing because I get to serve y'all. I love that. I love coming here on Sunday mornings. I walk in the door. I see faces I love. It's a joy. There's nothing I'd rather do on a Sunday morning. I'm not kidding you, Pastor Bob and I will rearrange our life to get here on Sunday morning because it's great to be here. I get to share the love of Jesus with y'all. That matters. That matters. There's no substitute for your church community. There's no substitute. And speaking of substitutes, I got one more thing to say. Do not, do not reduce church to a podcast. Don't do it. Y'all can look there and say amen, but I know I'm pushing some buttons right now. Do not reduce church to a podcast. That's supplemental to church. It is not, and it was never meant to be a substitute for gathering corporately as a community. That's not a substitute, y'all. That's supplemental. Because, look, if you want to fulfill all the plans that God has for your life, you have to be part of his church community, the local church. Not doing that is not an option. I know that's a very bold statement. I'm going to say it again. If you want to be part of everything that God has for you, not being part of his church community, it's not an option. And I didn't, I didn't make that up. That's what Ephesians four says. Ephesians four says that Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people to serve so that the body of Christ, that's the church will be built up. Until we all, every single one of us, reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we all become more mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Everything that God has planned for your life. It's God's plan that we participate in discipleship together. So can we just commit today? Let's, let's commit today. Let's commit to come together, to be unified in our faith in Jesus, to build each other up so that we can all grow to maturity in Christ and then we're able to help get others connected to Jesus too. Will you commit to that today? Amen. 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 Will you bow your heads, please? You know, a lot of times in church, we say God has a plan for our lives, and that's true. But sometimes you're battling stuff, and you can't even see that. You can't see the forest for the trees. Things that come at you, things you're battling with, sometimes they make you feel guilty and condemned, and you just give up. You think, oh, I I messed up again. I can't go back. You know, what are they going to think of me? Guys, it doesn't matter what you did last night. Doesn't matter what you did last week or even what you said on the way to church this morning. None of that matters right now in this moment. If you need to surrender your life to Jesus, you need a life transformation and you know it. And maybe you've surrendered to him before and you just kind of picked it all back up again. That's okay. If you need to recommit your life to God or if you've never asked Jesus to take control and to lead you and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus... You can do that right now, right here, today. If you're ready to ask God to come into your heart and to just forgive you and you release control of your life to him, if you're ready for that, if that's you, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer, believe it with your whole heart, and it's done. It's a done deal.